here we are. Here we are. Thanks so much for coming on, Jacqueline. Uh, I am honored to know you. We worked very close in proximity at uh, our old office, our old name and creative headquarters. You had an office there, and uh, we were able to see each other every other day, it felt like. And uh, I met your husband, who's an artist, and uh, got to meet him before you, but then we got in touch. And I'm really excited about what you have going on, and obviously we're going to dig into that. Um, but, uh, you know, kindness.org, where did that come from? You you made it a thing. <laughs> I made it a thing. Yes, thank you for having me. Um, where did kindness.org come from? Uh, it's like the combination of all the things in my life uh, leading me to that moment where I took a total leap of faith and felt like I wanted to build something that uh, allowed me to daily work toward a better, kinder, more compassionate world. That's amazing. Yeah. It's very admirable. You know, people, I think, often think about doing big, bold things like that or like, hey, there needs to be more kindness in the world. But do they build an organization dedicated to that Mm. and then devote their life to it? (laughs) Not so many. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like anyone who has a passion, you can choose to pursue it or it can feel too intimidating or scary to take that jump to do it. And I would say for me, I'm definitely wired to be able, um, or I guess I'm wired to know myself enough that if I'm going to lay my head down at night, I have to feel like my day had purpose. And it did feel like purpose was tied to profession and what I was giving my time to each work day. So kindness was the one thing that made my heart beat and it intimidated me and it scared me because there was no blueprint for it. I had to, you know, make my own uh, and uh, it, uh, it's it been quite a journey. I bet. It's exciting in a way when you're navigating new waters where you're in control about here's Here's this new territory, and I'm going to set the direction. Mm-hmm. And if you come up with a new idea or a new direction, you can go, oh, well, let's explore that. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to roll back a little. What 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 did you do before kindness.org, and what, what led you to stopping whatever you mm-hmm. were doing and starting this? So I've always been in the nonprofit sector and very passionate about the uh, improvement of that space to have impact in the world. And uh, early on, I thought uh, my work in the nonprofit space would be more internal, operational, working toward operational efficiency and effectiveness. Uh, I had always been passionate about volunteering. And while I saw a lot of goodness in the nonprofit space, I also saw a lot of issues and gaps and things that concerned me. It was people that were so well-intentioned and wanted to do a lot um, to build a better world. Uh, But really early on in my career, I fell into fundraising. And uh, that was a really incredible thing to be at the table helping people think about the role of generosity to change the world. So I was in fundraising for a very long time, working both domestically and on an international uh, charity with a focus on the water crisis. And I learned really a lot of so many aspects of why people give, what motivates people to give, and became uh, humbled, you know, to see that and be a part of their journey in giving. So that's what I was doing right before I took this leap to launch kindness.org. Okay. So it makes sense that you're you're kind of set up already in that trajectory, Mm -hmm. uh, in that world. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's exciting. Mm -hmm. Before before we dive in too deep, I think it's important, you know, to define some things. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of interested in before we dig into all the the different things that you're doing within kindness and your organization. Can you define kindness? And I, I imagine it's open to interpretation, but what's your definition, what's your organization's definition of what kindness is? We define it as an action intended to benefit someone, typically at a cost, and we have a little fun with it saying the ABCs. So the action intended to benefit someone at a cost. And it's not to say that kindness always costs money. It's that it costs us something. It's our time. It's our intention. It's our commitment to seeing that other person in front of us and choosing to act on what we're seeing. And I would flip it back and ask you to define it as well, because I think the real power of our work has shown 
Kindness is personal and intimate and understood by everyone, and yet we all experience it differently. So I'd be curious how you would define kindness. Oh, if, boy. If the interviewee is allowed to interview. <laughs> no, you're not. And this interview is now over. Uh, you broke the rules. <laughs> no, I'm happy to. This is fun. Um, I, so there's the golden rule. Mm. Um, do unto others as you would do unto them. I don't necessarily like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl Sagan, one of my heroes, ha- uh, brought up the silver rule. And that, I think, is better. Don't do unto others what you don't want them to do to you. Mm-hmm. Because I could, I could say, I believe this. I want you to believe it too. And I'm doing what I think is right based on what I believe. And I think being kind absolutely is an action. But I also think it's a restraint of putting your um, beliefs or intentions on what you think people should do on others mm-hmm. in letting letting others be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind because you. I agree with your definition 100%. So I wanted to also add to that, that yeah. there's the action of kindness, but also there's a being kind of letting and and letting others live their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, you could point out, hey, you shouldn't murder people. Mm-hmm. And that's probably an okay thing to prescribe to someone. I mean, there's like common things, but ultimately, you know, we all have our own trajectories, our own beliefs, our own wants, and letting, as long as we're not harming each other, I think that's important is not prescribing things to others. And so um, the silver rule is a big one for me, and I think that's that's kind. And then you nailed it on your action. What was the B? To benefit. Benefit. And you it absolutely is a cost and definitely not monetarily. But if you're being kind to someone, you know, I'm going to give them five more minutes of my time or I'm going to volunteer or I don't need this shirt anymore. And so there's that that cost. I love the ABCs. I think yeah. that's going to be really tangible for yeah. anyone listening. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I want to, I've never heard of the silver rule, but I want to really validate what you've just said, because that's precisely the work we're trying to do. To me, that restraint is you choosing to do something to benefit them versus yourself. When you're trying to prescribe something, typically it's for yourself. You're thinking you're helping the other person, but it's really your own narrative and your own belief and you're trying to project it onto somebody else and you think you're doing it for them. But it's really saying, well, this is my thing, so I want it to be your thing. And I think the restraint is the choice of saying, is this beneficial to them? And how do you delineate that? It's quite complicated because, of course, we all have our different passions and convictions, perspectives. Um, But I really do think the complexity of it, that's what most fascinates me. Uh, Kindness and the work we're doing is trying to rebrand it. It's trying to take away the idea that kindness is soft, fluffy, weak, feminine, and instead give it Um, a real container to live in, which is it's courageous, it's complex, it can be really difficult to choose kindness. What you've just said is hard to do. And that's the leveling up that I want the world to operate against. I love that. I I think there's a lot of things in, in the kindness realm where it's gotten a bad rap or or there's this perspective on it where it's like, oh, that's that's a weakness. Mm. Like vulnerability in communication or how you treat others, like being vulnerable um, is the way to open up to to create healthy dialogue and things like that. But, you know, there's been this, you know, like you need to you need to be solid. You need to be strong. And I think being vulnerable is being strong. Being kind is the biggest strength in, in things like that. I think th- what you're saying is fantastic. And I think it it needs this rejuvenation, whatever it is. It's, it's clear if you look at the world. Number one, I want to say there is absolutely kindness everywhere you look. And I think today it's it's harder because we live in a society where what makes the news is a car crash or a murder or someone saying something ridiculous instead of profound or positive because people are drawn to that excitement of negativity. I don't know what that pull is, and I'm sure that you guys have uh, researched that, and I want to get into that, but there is this interesting thing, but I want, for the record, I know that there's kindness out there based on my life experience and who I've met all over the world through my travels, 
that's the majority. That's mm-hmm. the rule, not the exception. It's fixing the exceptions or um, the sneaky things where people might not know that this small action or inaction is actually causing this ripple effect mm-hmm. that's a negative mm-hmm. repercussion in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I I did a little homework, and we've met before. <laughs> we had a great meeting um, when I first wanted to talk to you, and um, it really resonated with me. I've never forgotten that. On your website, it says, you use science to build products, programs, and partnerships that empower people to transform behaviors and choose kindness. I love the fact that you're injecting science, that you're using science as, may I say, a backbone mm-hmm. of how you're projecting. Okay, this what, I, what we're saying and doing is backed up in research. So can you speak more to what, how do you, how do you hypothesize and theorize and, and prove whatever you're doing within the kindness realm. Yes, I love this. So it goes back a little bit to the origin of how we began. And uh, um, I'll say that I wasn't setting out to start a nonprofit. On the contrary, I think a lot of times people just insert, (laughs) you know, a new business or a new nonprofit and they're, you know, you evaluate the landscape and you're not really solving a problem. You're just adding to the noise. And so there were so many kindness organizations that existed when I was starting to think about doing something on my own. And I have a co-founder and we really went on a six month, I call it like a learning journey or learning tour to evaluate the kindness space. And that led us to have the most remarkable conversations with scientists and researchers that were studying uh, human behavior, pro-social behaviors, cooperation, kindness, compassion, and how that shows up in the world. And time and again, the consistent message is, oh, the science tells us that this is one of the most essential things we have for survival, for thriving, um, for the future of humanity really big sweeping statements, but they were just doing the research. There was no application that we saw. And then a lot of the kindness organizations, albeit incredible intentions and beautiful missions, of course, we didn't see the underpinning of data. And so we felt that we could really come at this solving the problem of not having that combo of science and solutions existing. So we set out to study kindness, position ourselves as an authority on kindness, and we saw science as the route to help us do that. And the role it's played since we began, before we even launched, we did research to look at the link between kindness and well-being, and everything since then has been answering the biggest questions that we don't know about kindness, one of the biggest being how do you measure it, and so how do we put measurement toward Uh, kindness in a way that's tangible, that makes it from fluffy to real, that gives people something to hold on to. And a lot of our work has shown the significance of kindness, the role it plays on our mental health, emotional health, physical health, uh, how it shows up within companies, within children, and it's, it's an endless pursuit to continue studying it. And so, yeah, that's the role science is playing. That's fantastic. Uh, it gives you it gives you a lot more oomph mm. behind what you're doing. Also, it's so informative. I personally big fan of science and using science and um, and implementing the scientific method in what we do day to day with whatever interaction or pursuit we're doing. Um, you had mentioned measurables of uh, you know how do, how do we measure kindness. Can you speak a little bit about maybe one or two things on like, this is how we measure kindness? Sure, yeah. So a big initiative that we've had on the research side of our business the past couple years has been first looking at every kind of action you can do for a kinder world or for a person uh, more uh, specifically. And is there a way to measure it? So we put together what we've called KindBase. It's the world's first database of kind acts. And then we surveyed 15,000 people across the US and the UK, all walks of life, all backgrounds, a very representative sample. And we asked them to rate these kind acts and tell us if someone did this for you, how important is it to you? If someone smiles at you, holds a door open for you, if they do something really courageous for you, what matters? How would you measure it? 
And so we did this very official, um, uh, rigorous research. And out of that, we now have a database that's been rated by the public as the things that are most cost effective, the things that are the most beneficial, the things that are the kindest, and we can now make recommendations to people in a much more precise way. People can come and they can say, well, I want to do something that's difficult. And so we can serve up recommendations that challenge them to think about kindness in new ways. That's one piece. The second is we then took that database and built a uh, new survey where we're calling it your KQ, your kindness quotient. And the idea there, and this is soon to be released, um, people will be able to come and answer questions of what they'd be willing to do for somebody. And we can then tell them, well, this is what your kindness quotient is. And the quotient is the idea of showing how much you care about others. It's helping you know um, are, are, do you care about people 85% as much as yourself, 90%? And we can do it based on recipient. So we've looked at it across friend, family, colleague, and stranger so far. And we're expanding that research to look at things like in-group, out-group. What about someone who's different than you? When you see someone, this is the complexity of kindness. When you see someone who's different than you, may it be socioeconomically, um, age, religion, race, your reactions stem from something, right? We're unkind because of our own fears, our own belief systems, um, our constraints, you know, the things that we're like, I'm too busy, whatever it is. And so we don't act on kindness. And all of that is what we're interested in helping people overcome. So by giving that tangible measurement, our hope is that people can feel it and touch it, then guiding them to choose kindness in ways that challenge them and get them to think about it differently is where we're taking it. That's fantastic. Thank it's you. almost a way to gamify it too. Yeah, exactly. You know, like smile at someone, yeah. get a point. Yeah. You know? Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. Like a treat. <laughs> I first off, uh, before I forget, is the data that you've it is this accessible to people or your research? Are there is there somewhere where I I or anybody can go and read these results? Yes. Yes. We are actually in the middle of um, rolling out all of the research I just mentioned. We're starting by submitting it for academic publication, which is always our first step. And then we do the lay version, which becomes like a blog post. So if you visit our site, everything is housed there although we are improving how you find it, how discoverable it is. Sure, yeah, (laughs) yeah, you've got to optimize in a way or make it uh, more um, tangible. Uh, Tangible is not the word, Uh, digestible. Exactly, exactly. Because I've read several, you know, research papers. I used to assign it to, to my students at the Art Institute where it's like, I want you to be exposed to the format of what a research paper looks like because it's important Mm -hmm. and it's, there's a reason for it, yep. but it is a little intense, yes. you know, and uh, so it's it's nice that you're also taking the approach of we're going to put it into a nice blog that you can exactly. eat up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it goes back to the way we think of like the science and solutions because the science is big and complex. Our research hub is called Kind Lab. It's led by an incredible psychologist and evolutionary psychologist from the University of Oxford, and uh, it's heady. So how do we make it accessible? And he is always thinking about not just the research we're producing to the scientific community, but how applicable is it toward actually moving the needle for a kinder world. Um, And we call our research hub Kind Lab. So under our Kind Lab page, you can find most of our outputs, research findings there. Awesome. And we'll have links in the show notes to to your website because that's fantastic. And I would imagine people are going to want to dive in deeper to to this because it's unique and it's important. I I wanted to mention that uh, I go for runs through the park near my home. And uh, I always love, it's sometimes the small things when you run past someone that you Mm -hmm. do not know at all. And they give you a wave or I give them a wave and they wave back and smile mm-hmm. or just even a smile without a wave. One one day I counted out of how many people and for like it was like several weeks I counted how many people waved back. And one day it was like 90 percent of people waved back to me. It was a morning and there's a different crowd in the morning versus the night, which I noticed in just my brain calculations. I didn't write this stuff down and do a formal research, but it always, no matter what, 
makes me feel better when someone waves back, smiles back. It's an enormous difference of like the vibe that I take through the next half mile of strides. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, that was nice. That's a nice interaction. We didn't say a word. There's something to that where the the most simple things. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, it'd be interesting to see how much the weight of a smile is versus I gave a bag of clothes to someone or I cooked a meal for a family versus a smile. Because I would imagine smiles actually a a decent weight for points or however you yeah, measure it yeah. um, in, in relation to other things because it's powerful. Yes, you're right. I mean, actually, when we did it, we were surprised at how the simplest things had the the biggest weight in people's minds. So you're you're quite right in in your own informal experiment that you did. Um, the the some of the ones coming to mind, you know, just um, telling someone they matter, um, you know, saying good morning. Um, there's a lot of micro behaviors that go a long way, and there's a lot of research to show the ripple effect. So it affects you. And one of my favorite things to share is that a kind act is the most effective way to boost the well-being of you and another human simultaneously. So in that moment, you felt it, and they did too. So they went on their half mile the other direction, also with a boost and pep in their step, quite literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the power of kindness. And that's why I encourage everyone and anyone listening today and however you think about kindness, it's remembering every kind act makes a difference. Yeah, that's enormous. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, sitting here, I'm like, duh. But and, and not to undermine anything that you're doing. But at the same time, this is super important, mm-hmm. especially today when I think teams and rivalries, as sometimes competition can be healthy. My wife and I talked about competition for about 45 minutes last night. It was a really great conversation. But it goes way too far. I think in politics, you see it where it's, Really, you're either on one side or another. You can't be in the middle, or you know, or people are just so staunch and they're and situated, fasted to their beliefs without thinking. Well, how do, how does how does this belief affect others in some way? Or you know, it's 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 big fan, big fan of what you're doing. Thank you um, so much. Yeah, it, I uh, I'm kind of curious through your research, through your experience, what is one of the most surprising facts or, you know, um, discoveries that you guys have made or that you've experienced through your journey so far? And I'm, maybe it's a hard question to say one thing because you, you kind of just had mentioned, wow, the weight of something so small is actually so significant. Mm-hmm. But is there anything that else that stands out where it goes, we were studying this and I can't believe that this was the result? Oh, what a great question. You know, I think... I'm doing this because I believe in all of it, and I wasn't sure how much would prove itself out. Um, And so in a way, to your point, duh, like I'm not surprised by so much of what we're discovering. And yet the thing I'm constantly surprised by is just how much this matters. And the more I see it translated, you know, to your point on politics, for example, we funded a small research grant Uh, So one belief we have is we can't have a monopoly on good research ideas. There's endless people that are very skilled. They're experts in their own domain studying kindness from a different lens. And so we actually offer micro grants to those uh, research teams to help us better understand kindness more quickly. It accelerates our learning. It's a really smart way to invest in people um, and to see good research out there. We have a really rigorous application process to get the grant, and these are small grants, less than 5,000. But the first one we ever did was looking at the role of kindness meditation within um, effective polarization, essentially. And uh, we discovered that this team discovered when people did loving kindness meditation specifically towards people of the opposite um, you know, political group that they believed, um, they were more compassionate toward them. And it's those reminders. I think it's it's realizing this is real, it's tangible, and it works. It works. It's transformational. It has the power to change lives. There's endless stories I could tell you about people who were battling loneliness, depression, hate, fear, you know, and 
what a single kind act did to help them overcome something, their own belief systems, their own narratives. And so I think that's what I'm always struck by is the never ending awe and beauty and power that this thing has. And you're right, it's within all of us. The, the majority of us are good. There's a few bad apples is what we like to say. Yeah, yeah. And they unfortunately get the coverage. Yes. Um, but yeah. And I think even within those bad apples, they, you know, like hurt people, hurt people. They've been maybe in an experience or set up in a way or raised in a way where that it's just an unfortunate situation. But even within that person, even within a, a person doing bad, there's still good in there. You just got to overcome the badness through meditation, things like that. And I kind of wanted to ask, how do you break through people's routines, the noise in the world, the speed at which people go throughout their day, the teams that they stick with? How are you breaking through the noise and, you know, telling people about this, making them act on this or not making them, but mm-hmm. encouraging them to, you know, take a step back to evaluate what, what are some of the methods that you use to break through? Uh, yeah. So our mission officially is we, we educate and inspire people to choose kindness. Some people are the person who needs the research and the science. Um, and so we're there to serve up the educational materials. And some people are drawn to the human side. And so we're there to serve up stories. You know, we um, love telling stories through videos. We've had multiple viral videos. Um, you know, we had a video that was considered Facebook's most viewed charity video for years. It just, wow. you know, it had exceeded 125 million views or something like that. Um, and was just a simple, you know, not simple, but like a, a, a short three minute video. Um, and so that breaks through the noise that gets people's attention. Um, and so the idea is through the science and the stories, we can hopefully get people to stop and pause and think. And then when we're serving up those solutions to help inspire the choice, we're learning all the time. We're, we're a very iterative, you know, I would say like tech forward company. Everything's engaged digitally. You can come to our site and we're always trying new ways to communicate. Um, we have different products and you can bring into different environments and all of it's a learning curve. Um, so people are participatory. Uh, we have a group of citizen scientists, everyday people, about 500 volunteers around the world that sign up to help us learn what's working. You know, how do you use this in the world? What's your feedback to this? Um, how does kindness show up in these different environments? And it allows us to learn very quickly through a wide group of people. Um, so, yeah, uh, and, and we're, we're launching our, a podcast, too, to help showcase the power of kindness. It's called Why Kindness? And again, it's like breaking through the noise. You know this world, but... It's getting people to hopefully just stop and engage in a moment where it gives them pause. They think they have a new perspective, even if it's just a shift, a slight shift. That's what it looks like. Thank you for tuning in to episode five of the Naaman Creative Show with Jacqueline Lindsay. Do you like what you're hearing? Have you been thinking about starting your own podcast for your business? Well, we here at Naaman Creative can help with our audio services ranging from custom music scores, sound branding, to podcast production, and so much more. We can elevate your business needs with our audio services. So feel free to reach out to us today, and we'll be happy to help you get something started right away. That's fantastic. I, you read my mind because oh. the next question I was going to ask is, are you guys working on building a podcast? Because if are. not, can we, we talk should. about yes. that? Because that's, it's a great way. You're in people's ears. Yes. You're talking, I'm, I imagine you'll have some guests. You'll talk about your research. Exactly. I can't wait for that. Thank why you. Kindness it's called. It's called Why Kindness. It actually launches in a week. Oh. Um, and we have an incredible first season lineup of people, really, really notable, prolific people that are so generous to talk about why kindness and it it is the depth of it josh it's it's not the soft stuff the stories that are coming out are real and raw and difficult but necessary to showcase the power of why kindness matters so much in our world that's huge i think i think that the format of podcasts is very very powerful just Mm -hmm. like we're doing right now we're 
we're digging in. Digging in. And there's not necessarily a rule book where it's like, I can ask, you know, you said, nothing's really off limits here. No, and so no. we can we can dive into whatever we feel <laughs> yeah. and, and actually start to scratch what's what's truly important. I think that's that's enormous. So exactly. you're already on top of it. I don't need to say anything. <laughs> Are you going to be the host of that? I'm the host. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You got a little snippet earlier when I tried to flip the script and ask you uh, what kindness means. <laughs> you're, you're practicing. <laughs> I'm glad I passed. You did. You did great. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun to be fully interviewed on this, but people get enough of me, so it's all good. <laughs> uh, we've been talking about kindness doing, you know, act acting to others, but I wanted to talk about and, and ask you if, some of your research, some of your um, uh, your happenings, or what what you're doing in your organization, are are there um, initiatives to reflect on oneself? Mm. So being kind to yourself mm-hmm. is a good thing, and you need to be kinder to yourself. Mm-hmm. Is is that something you've explored or you're exploring? Yeah, it's been baby steps and it's actually on our strategic roadmap um, for this upcoming year. And it's a really interesting topic because we, again, going back to the role of self-kindness, we want to try to understand not only how it feeds into our own narrative of ourself, but how that then shapes how we're showing up in the world. So, of course, I believe in putting your oxygen mask on first. You have to fill your cup before you can pour out, you know, all of those things. Yes. But I want to go beyond that. I want to understand why is why and how is self-kindness essential for how we're then showing up in the world as a better human and a better person. And I only have used cases that are personal. It's like for me, I know my hot yogas and, you know, getting my monthly pedicure or getting out on my paddleboard or, you know, whatever the things are that are my outlets. I know, yes, that shapes how I'm showing up as a mom, as an entrepreneur, as a citizen of this world. Um, but what is it for everyone? We're all wired differently, of course, you know. And and so, yeah, it is on the roadmap. So more to come. Watch this space. <laughs> Great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll be staying on the pulse. And I would hope, you know, um, to, to have you or maybe uh, one of the scientists mm. on your team, you know, in the Kind Lab on. That would be cool to, like, dive in more. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So they're going to be part, part twos. Great. Threes. Love it. Um, yeah, I, you know, it, kindness is love in a way. And, uh, you know, when you – I can't remember – Throughout my life, I've learned that you know, in order to 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 love others, you you also need to love yourself, and that because that assists in the the full spectrum of love to one another. And so, I would imagine that that's that's with kindness too. But I was kind of curious on the inward side of things as well as the outward side. So that's great. That's on your roadmap. Yeah. Again, it doesn't surprise me you're on top of it. You guys have thought of everything. Um. You know, everything's going so well. I do like to talk about people's setbacks. What's a, you know, what's a, a failure that you've that you've run into or a, a major setback where you're like, wow, I didn't see that coming or that that's a hurdle. And how did you overcome that? How did that make you stronger from that? You know, because ultimately, as entrepreneurs, you you failure is part of the process Mm -hmm. you can't can't avoid it it's how you overcome that how you Mm -hmm. learn from that is there anything that sticks out yeah this really small thing i think i was the only one affected by it a global pandemic oh yeah Uh, you probably were yeah yeah. i was like alone in that um (laughs) no not not to make a joke at all on, on the contrary uh yeah in all seriousness that tested me in ways it's really difficult to express. It was a very, very, very trying year for the organization. Uh, I was pregnant. Um, we moved our life from New York here to St. Petersburg. Um, it was full survival mode. We didn't know if the organization would be able to make it out of such a trying time, largely related to uh, sustainability and what was going on in our world and country in that moment. And yet I felt 
there was such an urgency for kindness. We had just developed our first applied product, which was a social emotional learning curriculum that we were rolling out to schools. And then this, that we, we launched it two weeks before uh, the shutdown in March 2020. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> it was like wild. And we all looked at each other, very small, tiny but mighty team. And I said, listen, I have a plan and I will give my whole heart everything I have to keep this thing going. But I just need you to know, like, it would mean extending runway and it would be really testing uh, all parts of how we're operating with very little. Um, and they said, yes, they said this matters. So it was my head of Kind Lab, um, my head of Kind Lab and uh, uh, my head of Learn Kind. She had written the curriculum. She was responsible to roll it all out. Um, and there was a lot of difficult transition that happened within our team. It was just a painful time. And uh, everyone said, we're in it with you. My board showed up. Um, my husband showed up. My family showed up. And people rallied. And we persevered. I never want to relive that year. But I can credit that year for shaping me and making me stronger, teaching me a new form of resilience I had no idea <laughs> existed. Um, and I'm absolutely better because of it. And yet, um, it was an incredibly, incredibly painful and difficult and trying time in my life. Yeah. Wow. Um, not luckily, but in a way, um, because to speak to your joke, you, we weren't alone. As, a, as lonely as that time was because we literally had to separate from each other. The thing was that we were all going through right. this wild time together. Right. I thought that was going to bring the world together a little more than mm. it seemed to have, but I'm still hopeful. Um, number two is I'm very glad that you kept pursuing because specifically regarding the pandemic and what comes with more primal things coming out where now it's more survival mode. Yeah. Kindness. To one another and to yourself, yes, are essential, more essential in those trying times, if you will. Exactly. You know, th th that's what's needed. Yeah. And so I'm glad that you pursued. I'm sure that you're stronger on the other end. And, you know, for me, uh, that led to a particular career change for me. Mm -hmm. And then here I am with my own company. During a pandemic, I don't know what I was wow. thinking, but... Here we are, Here and it works. So, yeah. Like, it's um, it's interesting thing. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you know low points are followed by these high points. Mm -hmm. You know, it's everything in in waves. Mm -hmm. Um. So, uh, but I'm I'm really glad to hear that. I want to go back to you had mentioned schools yes. and curriculum. Yes. Can you speak more about that? Because obviously. For me, I believe that everything starts with education in the home, but also at, at school and, and how children are spending most of their day, children and adults. Mm -hmm. um, what, what, are, what are you doing in the education space? Oh, yeah, this is definitely my personal passion project. You know, my personal story and passion for kindness came out of feeling um, my own impact of lack of kindness growing up. Uh, through bullying and the bullying I went through was pre-social media and it was a world where it was just expected you know you didn't really have a lot of outlets or support when you were being bullied it was just kind of what was going on back then some of the stuff I went through now I think of if my own child was going through that oh forget it it'd be world war three kind of thing you mm. know and um uh and yet I didn't really have the tools I didn't know how to navigate it and it uh deeply, deeply affected me. It transformed my belief about myself and how I looked at myself. And so my belief about it being the most important thing we have is because I've seen when we don't have kindness, what it can do. And I've long wanted to think about one of our solutions being something that could affect kids, that could show up in the classroom, and that could hopefully play a role in equipping kids with the tools they need to navigate a very complex world. So true to the way we think about things, we never build unless we're solving a problem. Our solutions are always about filling a gap, a need, um, serving up something that is truly useful and meaningful. 
there's a lot of kindness curricula out there. There's a lot of character building tools out there. So again, we, we wanted to be thoughtful and make sure we weren't adding to the noise of anything. And we began with asking educators, the users. We asked parents, we asked kids, what are you needing? What are the gaps? What are the pain points with teaching kids kindness? In the classroom space, it's under the umbrella of social-emotional learning. That's what it's couched under. Um, But for us, it's the same. It's kindness. We see kindness as a meta-value. Things like empathy, compassion, forgiveness, justice, fairness. Those are all extensions of kindness. They are nested underneath, and kindness acts as the umbrella over all of it. And at the end of that um, user you know, research, we found several pain points. Teachers said there's great curricula, but it's expensive. Um, there's curricula that doesn't reflect the diverse makeup of my classroom, and so it's hard for my students to relate. There's curricula that lacks flexibility and doesn't allow me to actually introduce it. It prescribes kindness. It doesn't let my children, my students experience it. Um, and it doesn't take home life into account. So we went away and we had a really tall order. How do we build something that attempts to address, you know, one, two, all of those issues that teachers were facing? And out of it, we developed Learn Kind. It's a kindergarten through eighth grade curriculum. It's a scaffolded approach, so it's very modular. And uh, um, it is giving kids the ability to become a student scientist. So it's leveraging inquiry-based learning, which is like the root of teaching STEM. And as five-year-olds and up, kids are going in not being prescribed kindness, not being told, oh, you ought to be kind, but instead saying, what do you think about kindness? What do you feel when you do kindness? What do you feel when you engage with it? And they get their student scientist journals. Um, They learn first about the self. They learn about their well-being. They learn about emotional regulation. um, And then it develops from there. They learn empathy, empathy for others, empathy for those who are different. They learn about connection and the role of relationships. They learn how to choose kindness and the act of it. And then they conduct an experiment at the end. And uh, three years in, we just closed our third school year. We've served 225,000 students. We're active in 49 states. We've reached more than 50 countries. And we're on an ambitious plan to serve 5 million children over the next five years. We're we're soft clapping over here. (laughs) That's impressive. Three years? Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) thank you. That's amazing. That's and it's so important because like where where do these things start? Mm. You know, where where can most impact uh, be? You know, uh, adults can change. it's it's a harder journey and and it's important to you know to educate adults um but really the children are the the future as cliche as that is that is a fact and so if you get them in the right direction i love how also you're having them explore it they're being scientists about this they're making the discoveries which like literally those discoveries those connections those those uh, it's a deeper understanding when they discover, ah, this is what it means to be kind, or this is the impact, rather than just like, don't do that, right? Be kind, right. you know. It's it's a it's deeper than that. So I think that's really effective. Thank um, you. Again, doesn't surprise me that you guys are going about it in a correct manner, you know, or yeah. an efficient way. Uh, have you received plenty of positive feedback? Incredible feedback. Uh, The best being we just closed out a randomized control trial to evaluate the efficacy um, of of the curriculum. Uh, And that's the really silver gold or the gold standard, excuse me, like the silver seal that you can get to validate how effective something is. So Kind Lab came in and um, did this very rigorous randomized control trial of our teachers implementing the curriculum and then not implementing the curriculum, and we compared the data of the students. We looked at the impact on well-being, on um, uh, pro-social behaviors, and uh, episodes of depression, anxiety, hypertension. And what we can say is when Learn Kind is introduced into the classroom, in an obvious way, it does make kids kinder. We can now say that but it makes them happier. They are choosing more pro-social behaviors, like they're more giving and caring and generous. And teachers saw a reduction in episodes of depression and anxiety um, that their students 
uh, were bringing into the classroom before the curriculum was introduced. So we now can stand on it and say we're ready to blow the lid off this thing because we know it actually works and it drives meaningful, measurable change in the lives of students. Sure. That's enormous. Yeah. And you have actual data now exactly. to, to, to look and say, here, there's tangible yes. evidence yes. of this. Yes. I think that's going to propel you to a next level. You know, you think about PE class or, you know, different, different, different things that have been integrated into education. I really feel like this could be something where most schools are like, oh, yeah, and we have this, this thing, of course, this you know, kind, learn kind is is a part of this curriculum, and that's a selling point of of schools. That's a that's an enormous thing. How cool! Thank you. Big fans. Thank you. Um, we've reached a moment in the okay. podcast. Okay. The rapid fire. Ah, section. yes, love the rapid fire. Rapid fire. <laughs> uh, so I ask mostly the same questions cool. to every guest great because um, it's uh, it's always so fun to see the overlap and mm-hmm. also the varying um perspectives great and so uh without further ado let's let's dive in let's do it okay are you ready i think so okay. yeah <laughs> i feel really good i think you're gonna win this one <laughs> all right cool so uh first question what is your biggest source of inspiration my family my my children absolutely every day i wake up inspired by them every day that was without hesitation that wasn't edited zero doubt <laughs> zero doubt i i feel that um especially having a, a one-year-old um you know i felt it hard uh before and mm. now it's like that is a pillar in my life yep um so that's that's fantastic um very meaningful uh, do you have a favorite book oh goodness that's a hard one i know um, favorite book. Gosh, uh, <laughs> like what category? I love reading so much. What would I say is a favorite book that I give people? Um, I love Just Mercy. Let's go with that one. Just Mercy. Just Mercy. Story of Brian Stevenson. Um, he's behind the Equal Justice Initiative. Um, and uh, I don't want to say too much about it. Just get it and read it. But it's his journey um, to advocate for people that have been wrongly convicted. Ah, wonderful. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds like it would be an interesting read, an intense read. Very intense, but yeah. again, very necessary. I think they made a movie about it as well. But I do read the book, of course, because movies, it's hard to do books justice. Oh, 100%. One of my favorite books is Contact by Carl oh, Sagan. Yeah. And, uh, and I watched the movie. I'm like, oh. You guys, you missed such a big portion. It's not like it's a bad movie, but you missed what, you know, a huge portion of what he was going for in that mm-hmm. side. Yeah, you could, you know, a movie's an hour and a half long or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Um, cool. Just Mercy. All right. We'll, we'll also have that in the show notes. Perfect. We always make resources in there. Do you have a favorite musical artist or album? Um, I, for a long time, I would have said Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, and that's got a lot of meaning to me. Um, I'm also a huge fan of cigarettes. So, oh man, <laughs> now we're speaking the same language. It's, you can throw that on and you're, uh, you're, you're feeling, oh, look, I have yeah. goosebumps just thinking about a song cause it yeah. just popped in my head. My goodness. Yeah. The parentheses that. album. That's the one I would tell people to go to. Perfect. All right. Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to listen to them later today. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, How do you define success? Waking up every day and staying true to who you are. Love it. Yeah. Love it. You're good at rapid fire. Some people are (laughs) not. We had a lawyer on, and he won the the longest rapid fire. (laughs) (laughs) I I think you can know why. (laughs) He's a good guy, though. Episode two. With Doug Jackson. <laughs> what is your favorite business tool? Mm. Um, the tool of respecting people's time. Wow. Love it. 
That's huge. So a calendar. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> calendar. I think it's like informs everything, like team culture, meeting culture, yeah. you know, who's at the table, um, is it necessary? So I use the filter of everyone always asking the question, like, is this a good use of time? Because time's our most valuable commodity. Uh, every minute you take from someone is a minute they're getting taken from something else. So it's just always being conscious of how you use people's time. So it's an internal tool. But I think the minute you can own that, do it, and do it well, it transforms your business. 100%. Yeah. You're doing good. Thanks. You're doing very well. <laughs> I got one more for okay, you. Okay, let's do it. So outside of the day-to-day in your organization mm-hmm. and outside of kindness, obviously you're out there being kind, uh, but what's your favorite thing to do? Mm. Uh, I do love just adventuring around with my family. Uh, we love traveling the world, you know, seeing new sites, cult- being immersed in new cultures, trying new foods. So that's like always something we're we're doing. And then I, I kind of hit on it earlier, but I love paddleboarding. I love being on the water. I love being close to nature. Uh, so those are definitely my outlets. Is that why you moved from New York to Florida? A hundred percent. A thousand percent. Yeah. It was like half the year it was freezing. We lived in a small apartment. I was like, we're committed to culture. We're raising our kids in a city. Um, but then you walk to St. Pete and you're just like, oh, this is it all. It's sunny and beautiful and has the beaches and the art and the people. And we've never looked back. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were very happy with this move. I love Indiana. I I, I love the people there, the cold stuff, and uh, there is something very special about this this area, St. Pete specifically. Very special. And I just happened to land here, um, but uh, it's a great spot. Yeah. And uh, here I am, and the people in this room, my goodness, mm-hmm. how grateful I am. Um, well, I want to wrap things up to be respectful of your time, our audience's time. Jordan's time, my time. But um, I think, you know, I like to talk to people about um, some things also at the end, aside from the rapid fire being common. Um, I want to kind of get your uh, your insight or your thoughts on what kindness.org looks like in five, ten years. Obviously, your podcast is going to be number one on the charts. Uh, but, uh, you know, and obviously I would imagine you want to get the curriculum for education, learn kind into more schools, mm-hmm. but can you speak more about that? Yeah. So my vision with this has always been to be the number one resource for activating kindness in the world. And so it's a long play over the next five years. Our goal is to grow what we call our community out through change makers, people who are taking our tools and then bringing it into the different environments where they live and work. Um, and so we hope to have a million people in that community um, over the next five years. We hope to have five million kids that we've reached um, through our curriculum uh, over the next five years. Um, and, uh, and I wanted to all contribute to kinder companies, communities, and classrooms. So we see ourselves as the provider, um, but the people are the conduit. They're the amplifiers. They're the implementers. At the end of the day, we can't make you be kind. You have to choose it, of course, going back to the beginning. And there's people that act as the champions. The teacher who says, I want kindness in my classroom, we want to tap into that. We want them to be the ones then amplifying it to their 20, 25 students. The head of people, you know, the chief human resource officer, the CEO who says, I want kindness in my company. We want them to come to us and we can help support them with the tools they need. Uh, So our goal is to grow that audience and really become the gold standard for how people live and work. And they come to us to provide um, or to provide them with the tools they need to do it. I think you're well on your way to doing that. That's that's clear. Thank you. So I think you're going to surpass those goals. That's for sure. Um, But also very ambitious. You know, you're not it's not like you're doing small things. You know, you have the research aspect to it to back you up. You have, you know, Kind Lab. That's that's an enormous move for your organization. It's a it's an enormous step in a in what I think is a proper direction and actually activating it with with roots and uh, meaning behind it. I think it's just um, it's just awesome to 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 dive into this with you. Thank you. Um, and I know that people will resonate with this. As someone involved in kindness, 
and business and entrepreneurship and uh, and and planning for the future, um, whatever it may be. What's some of the best advice that you'd want to give someone listening? Something that maybe you would have loved to hear, you know, early on. I think fear is a hard thing to eliminate. So whatever you're fearful of or intimidated by, know that you can still get through it and overcome it. Um, I think a lot of times that is what stops us from taking leaps. So I would encourage anyone anywhere um, to know that if you're feeling something, if you feel that prick in your heart or your mind or spirit, um, that there's something out there for you to just be willing to take a leap no matter how scary it might feel. Um, I would say care well for everyone, you know, whoever's in your life, be it an intern, a volunteer, every person matters. So treat people with dignity and respect. And uh, uh, I think the more business leaders do that, the, um, you know, better business model it is. So you should do it if you need it to feel like it's improving your bottom line, so be it. But at the end of the day, I promise you it's the best thing you can do as a leader is to care well for every person um, equally. Uh, and I would say prioritize mental health. There it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, number one, about about the treating others in a leadership position with you know kindness and, and respect if you care about them, they care back, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're actually, you know, not being selfish, but that is also serving you and your ambitions or your organization. Because if you put the care into them, they're going to more likely care about the thing that's keeping this train moving, because they don't want to lose that. Hey, I love going to work because I'm respected. I love the energy. And so they're more incentivized to make sure to work hard to make sure that that thing keeps going. And also you're just having a better day. You're having a a better time in general. So you you can't go wrong. Again, sometimes it's like, of course, of course. Um, And number two, uh, with the the fear thing and overcoming your fear, not letting that get in the way. I think when you're doing hard things or you're thinking about doing something big – you can, like you said, you can't eliminate fear, but also like becoming a friend with fear, you know, like using that fear because if, you, if you're not a little uncomfortable or afraid of what you're pursuing, it's easy or it, it, and, and maybe a lot of people are doing it. So maybe that's an indicator that you need to push to something new. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you might be doing the same thing. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm explaining that well, but fear is is in a way a good sign, and in yeah, my opinion, you know, I agree. You, you can use it as a strength. Pay attention to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, it's going to be there anyway, so might as well hold its hand. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, lastly, I wanted to, you know, I think with with your organization and this initiative in general. I think it's good to maybe get out what what can people do to help to help what you guys are doing, help support you? What are some things that they can go out after listening to this and do? If you visit our site, you can join an incredible global community across more than 100 countries of people that are choosing to do this and not saying they're choosing it easily. It's like a commitment to choose it. Um, so would invite anyone who's resonating to come participate with us in this work. Um, it's big and wide and needed. Um, and then when you go out in your day, think about one small act of kindness you can commit to do and do it. So that's everybody's homework. (laughs) Report back. Report back. Everybody (laughs) has to comment. If you listen to this, you have to comment and say, this is what I did today. And then for every day from now on, you have to leave a comment saying what you did. That's kind. But I love that at least you keep it Mm bite-sized. Do one thing a day. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's it's nice to always see you. I hope you're having a good day. Or smile at somebody. Give someone a wave. It's funny. My daughter waves at everybody now. She's just... (laughs) Hi, dear. (laughs) It it brings joy to literally, I've seen like two people where they don't wave back. But majority of people, they're like, oh, 
hi. (laughs) And it makes them feel better. You can see it. Absolutely. It goes a long way. Yeah. Um, And I hope this this podcast, this discussion goes a long way. I have no doubt. Thank you. I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. Thank you so much, Josh. Thank you. Really appreciate you taking your time. Oh, my pleasure to be here. This was wonderful. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. More to come. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye.